ask you to turn with me in God's precious word to the Old Testament scriptures and to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible, and written by the hand of Moses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And we're going to read from Deuteronomy chapter 29. Deuteronomy chapter 29. And just for the sake of time tonight, we move down the chapter to take up our reading at verse 10. And here there is a very solemn assembly. The whole of Israel are gathered. And in Deuteronomy 29 and the verse 10, we read, Ye stand this day, all of you, before the Lord your God, your captains of your tribes, your elders and your officers, with all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and thy stranger that is in thy camp, from the hewer of thy wood unto the drawer of thy water, that thou shouldest enter into covenant with the Lord thy God, and into his oath, which the Lord thy God maketh with thee this day, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, and that he may be unto thee a God, as he hath said unto thee, and as he hath sworn unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but with him that standeth here with us this day, before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. For ye know how we have dwelt in the land of Egypt, and how we came through the nations which ye passed by. And ye have seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which were among them. Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe, whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord our God, to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. And it come to pass, when he heareth the words of this curse, that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. The Lord will not spare him, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. Amen. We land there at verse 20. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. I want... In reading tonight from Deuteronomy and the chapter 29. And if you have your Bible, you can turn together to that portion once again. 
I entitled the message this evening, A Fearful Warning to the Unsaved. A Fearful Warning to the Unsaved. And with that title in mind, I want you to look with me at the words of verse 20. Deuteronomy 29 and the verse 20. This is a fearful warning to the unsaved. The Lord will not spare him. But then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man. And all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him. And the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. Whenever you would dwell upon those words, surely you would have to agree it's a fearful warning to the unsaved. And as we come to consider it together, let's unite in prayer and ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his precious word. Our gracious and our loving Heavenly Father, We thank thee that we're found gathered tonight in thy house with thy word before us. And we pray, O God, that as we would come to minister thy word, that it would not be in the energy of the flesh, but, O, that it might be in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. And as we come, our Father, to this portion of Scripture A solemn word, O God, a fearful warning to the unconverted soul. We pray, our Father, for that needed help and that wisdom to be granted to us. Hedge us now with the Saviour's precious blood. Shut us into Thee and speak, O God, to every heart. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, the words before us tonight contain... A most solemn appeal. It is an appeal to the whole congregation of Israel. And the Lord was appealing to them through Moses to enter into a covenant. And really, what we could say very simply, it refers to entering into a special relationship with the Lord. And from the very beginning of the chapter, it speaks about the making of that covenant. In Deuteronomy 29 and the verse 1, these are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. And so there's the reference there to the making of this covenant. And that word there, to make, it's actually the word in the original, to cut. And so the making of a covenant can be referred to as the cutting of a covenant. The reason it's referred to in that way is because when it involves the sacrifice, The sacrificial victim would be taken, and that sacrifice of the animal, it would be cut in half. And the different halves would be placed opposite to one another. And those who were entering into the covenant and making that covenant, they would pass through the two halves of the sacrifice. We read about it 
in Genesis chapter 15 concerning Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 15 and the verse 9, the Lord said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and the she-goat of three years old, and the ram of three years old, and the turtle dove, and the young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. And so it is described to us there of what is involved in the entering into that covenant. It was on the basis of the sacrifice and the sacrifice being divided and the individuals in the covenant passing through the midst. Genesis 15 and the verse 17 It says, And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. And so you can see what was involved here in the making of the covenant. And when you look at our Bible reading and you go down there to the 12th verse, and it tells us there in the verse 12 that thou shouldest enter into covenant with the Lord thy God. And so that idea of entering in in the margin of your Bible, if you have a margin, uh, that word there, enter, could also be translated pass. And so it's to to pass into the covenant. And it suggests there the going between those pieces of the sacrifice and entering in and passing through and entering into that special relationship with the Lord. And so this whole assembly of Israel, the great congregation of Israel, they were gathered together before the Lord. And where we took up our Bible reading, you can see that it involves everyone. Verse 10, ye stand this day, all of you, all of you, every single one of them, before the Lord your God, your captains of your tribes, your elders, your officers, with all the men of Israel. Verse 11 shows that The little ones were to be there. And the wives, the women were to be there. The stranger was to be there. The hewer of wood and the drawer of water. In other words, it's describing there that this whole assembly, the congregation of Israel, it was from the oldest to the youngest. It was from those who were the nobility or or the upper class of society right down to the lowest in society. Every single one of them. You're before the Lord and you're being called upon by the Lord to enter into this special relationship with him. And it was a particular day, it was a single day that this was to take place. I don't know if you noticed as we read down the portion of Scripture, there were references to this day. We didn't read there in verse 4, but at the end of verse 4, you can see those words, this day. And then in the verse 10, it also says, ye stand this day. And so we're being drawn to think about this particular day, this specific day, 
when they would enter into this special relationship with the Lord. The end of verse 12, it says, This day, in verse 15 again, This day, twice in verse 15, then also in the verse 18, and you could go down to the verse 28, and it ends with the words, This day. The, the attention was being drawn to, to this one day when they would assemble and they would stand before the Lord and they would be called upon to enter into this special relationship with the Lord. And surely you can see there, there's a wonderful parallel in the gospel because the Bible teaches us that all have sinned. And therefore, we're all, every one of us, from the oldest to the youngest, from the upper classes to the lowest classes, we're all called upon to enter into that special relationship with the Lord. There is the need for that. There is the urgency to enter in. We have been considering recently on the Lord's Day morning the I Ams of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you remember recently we looked in John chapter 10 and the Lord said there, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And there's the call today in the gospel, that need to enter in. We say we've drawn attention to the specific day that they were called upon to enter in. We would say to each one tonight, the gospel speaks about today. 2 Corinthians 6 and the verse 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In the verses 19 and 20 of our Bible reading, they present to us a problem. And with all that we have said by way of background here, and that call to enter into that relationship with the Lord, the problem presented here in those verses 19 and 20 is that it concerns the one who would refuse to enter in. And the one who remains in their sinful condition. And it is to such an individual that this solemn and fearful warning would be given. And it says in verse 20 concerning them, the Lord will not spare him. And so there is this warning to the unconverted, to the unsaved soul. Truly, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And what we learn from this fearful warning tonight, firstly, the curse of sin. Verses 19 and 20, you will find that word curse. But just to read the 20th verse, the Lord will not spare him, but then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him. And the one who has never accepted the invitation in the gospel to come and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, but rather they refuse and they remain in their natural, unconverted estate. This is the reality 
that they're under the curse, the curse of the broken law, the curse in the fact that God's moral law has been broken, and therefore they stand under the curse of a broken law. And the New Testament would remind us of the curse of the law and would teach about the consequences of being under the curse. Matthew's Gospel and the chapter 25, and there in the verse 41 of that chapter, we read these words. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Those who were under the curse, referred to there as the cursed. And you can see what they face. They are going to face the wrath of God. They are going to face everlasting fire. Going back to Deuteronomy 29, you can see that the one who stands there at risk of this particular sentence being passed upon them, it tells us something of them in the previous verse, in the verse 19. Even though they stand in such a state that they would not enter into that covenant and into that special relationship with the Lord, Verse 19 says, And it come to pass, when he heareth the words of this curse, that he bless himself in his heart. My, that, that's remarkable to, to read that. One who is under the curse of God, and yet it says that they bless themselves in their heart. An individual deluded and deceived to the very point where they're under the curse of God, and yet they're blessing themselves. In other words, they're saying, Ach, I'll be okay. Everything will, will work out okay in the end. And they just bless themselves for the condition that they're in. In fact, they go further than blessing themselves. When you look at verse 19 again, they, he bless himself in his heart saying, I shall have peace. That they will have peace. They're under the curse of God and yet they're saying of themselves, everything will be okay and I have peace. A turning away from the Lord, a remaining under the curse and they're deceiving themselves and saying, I will bless myself. I will have peace quoted the verse this morning from Proverbs 14 and the verse 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The unconverted soul here just going on presumptuously. He will bless himself in his heart and he'll say, I shall have peace. My, it's impossible Isaiah 48 and the verse 22, it says, There is no peace, saith my God, unto the wicked. Those words are repeated in Isaiah 57, verses 20 and 21. 
In the days of Jeremiah, it speaks of that sinful departure from the Lord where there was nothing but lies and covetousness and the committing of abominations before the Lord to the extent that they would not even blush anymore. Do you know what they would say in those days? Peace, peace, when there is no peace. You see, the devil can deceive and lull that individual's soul into a false sense of security where they will bless themselves and say, I am okay and I shall have peace. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Because there is no peace for the soul outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only in and through the Lord Jesus that we can have peace. Do you know why? Because Paul said to the Colossians of the Savior, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And when we come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God. Justifying faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the Lord could go on in John 14 to the verse 27 and say, Peace I leave with you. My peace give I unto you. Not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Because those that have closed in with the Lord Jesus Christ, they can know the peace of God within their heart, that peace in knowing it's well with their soul and their sins have been forgiven. But the soul who refuses to enter into that special relationship with the Lord, there's no peace, no peace. The curse of sin But I want you to notice, secondly, the course of sin. The latter part of verse 19 there speaks about a pathway. I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart. There's a particular course there. They're walking. And to walk, it speaks about going on a particular pathway and going forward in a particular direction. And here in these verses of Scripture, it's picturing that individual who is walking in the imagination of their heart. And the word imagination there actually is the word stubbornness. And so even though there's a solemn appeal goes out that you need to get right with God and you need to enter into this covenant with the Lord, they continue on, bless themselves in their heart. They say, I'll walk in the imagination of my heart and the stubbornness, the obstinacy of my heart, the hardness of their heart. They just continue on in that way. And they continue on blindly. At verse 4 in our passage that I referred to earlier, it says, Yet the Lord hath not given you an heart to perceive, and eyes to see, and ears to hear unto this day. And you just walk on, and you continue on, and you're getting progressively worse. Because there you can see as they continue on this sinful course, on this sinful pathway, verse 19 at the end of it speaks about add drunkenness to thirst. 
And so they walk in the hardness or the stubbornness, the imagination of their heart, and they add drunkenness to thirst. The soul of man is thirsty. Thirsting for satisfaction and thirsting for contentment and for peace. The only one who can quench the thirsty soul is the Lord Jesus Christ. But that stubborn soul will go on trying everything else in this world and stumbling from one broken cistern to another. And here it says they add drunkenness to that thirst. In other words, they're going to make a bad situation worse. It's like adding sin upon sin. And I say tonight how many souls are on that course how many souls are on that pathway, the course of sin. But then thirdly, very quickly, the consequences of sin. And here we read the verse 20, or text of Scripture, and it says, the Lord will not spare him. Now, we don't need to expound these words. We don't need to explain verse 20. The words are so direct and the words are so plain. It is self-explanatory. The one who refuses to enter into that relationship with the Lord, the Lord will not spare him. Then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man, and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him, and the Lord shall blot out his name from under heaven. You could go down that 20th verse slowly, and you can see there, there's the anger, there's the wrath of God, there's the curses that will come upon those who fail to close in with Christ. And the Lord shall blot out his name, blot out his name from under heaven. That reminded me of those words in Revelation, in the chapter 20 and the verse 15. It says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And here you have the very consequences of sin. Their name is not in the book, and therefore they're cast into the lake of fire. In Revelation 21 and the verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And how there's that need to be sure that our names are written down in heaven, written down in the Lamb's book of life, or we would face the consequences of sin, which is eternal death and hell. And therefore, there's the need tonight for each one to enter into that covenant relationship on the grounds of the Savior's sacrifice. The Lord Jesus Christ has made it possible and we can enter into that covenant, the covenant of grace tonight. We're invited to come, and we're invited to enter in, to repent of our sin, to turn from our sin, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And through his atoning work upon Calvary's tree, we can know tonight what it is to enter into that relationship with God. 
and to know the peace of God within her heart tonight, to know that her sins have been forgiven, they've been pardoned, they've been cleansed in the Savior's precious blood, because God spared not his own Son, that he might spare us. He spared not his own Son, but he delivered him up for us all. And how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? One tonight who is under the curse of the law, under the consequences of sin. You can come from being under the curse to being under the blessing of the Lord. You can come tonight from being under the darkness of your sin to the light and to the liberty of the gospel of Christ. You can come tonight from death unto life this day. I went down the passage emphasizing the repetition of those words, this day. You see, that's the urgency. That you must come while you have opportunity and you must enter in this day. Know that by coming and closing in with the Lord Jesus and accepting him as he is freely offered in the gospel, we can know with assurance that our name, our name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. A name that will never be blotted out from that book, but we will be saved and shut in with the Lord for all eternity. But all that you would see tonight a fearful warning to the unsaved. And if you're not saved, do come tonight. Close in with the Lord. Call upon his name. Ask the Lord for forgiveness and cleansing. And ask the Lord to save your soul tonight. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May the Lord bless his word to each and to every heart.